Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're continuing our conversation with Lance Witt. Lance is a leader of leaders. He's pastored churches. He was on staff at Saddleback Church in California. He's the author of multiple books and the creator of Replenish, a ministry dedicated to helping people live and lead from a healthy soul. Today, we'll be listening in to part two of this conversation, where Lance will be touching on making ministry noble again, self-leadership, and the connection between technology and your soul. You're going to want to take notes, so lean in, leaders, and... Let's get started. Yeah, yeah, we are back, everybody. Another episode of the Avail podcast. We dig deep, we talk leadership, we talk life, we help you, we resource you, we encourage you, and we have amazing leaders as guests, including Lance Witt, who's here for part two of our conversation. Uh, If you weren't, if you didn't connect last week, Uh, To the last episode, you got to go back. You can hear a little bit of what we talked about. Uh, Lance, it is great to have you. How does it feel to be on part two of the Avail podcast? Wow, I feel honored. Normally, I just get one and done, and then people won't ever have me back. So the fact that you're having me twice, like, I don't know if that says that I'm good or that you guys just don't have good judgment. So, but I'm glad to be here, brother. Hey, listen, now you can feel even more special, right? You can feel even better about yourself. Uh, but no, no. In, in all honesty, you are an, a great leader, Lance. We admire you. I personally have been so blessed by you, your ministry, the books you've written, the conferences you've spoken at. Uh, so, hey, in all seriousness, uh, Avail listeners and viewers, if you didn't listen to part one of this conversation, make sure you go listen to part one where Lance talks a little bit about himself. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll see if I learned about Lance. Lance has over four decades of ministry leadership experience from lead pastor in multiple churches uh, to being on staff at Saddleback uh, in California with Pastor Rick Warren, being part of the 40-day journey and process, which was a a big part uh, in that season, and then leading you Lance to open up and found and begin Replenish, which is a ministry that helps people to, to live and lead from a healthy soul. I love this. I love this topic. And is it okay if we just jump right into it, Lance? Yeah, let's go, man. I'm ready. So I I heard you talk about, uh, at a conference, I heard you talk about how to make ministry noble again. And that caught my attention, not only the wording, but the the heart behind it. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah. Um, You know, I've been concerned, honestly, uh, in recent years and certainly now coming through COVID. I think these trends were starting to happen, but COVID accelerated them. And Mm. so you just get a lot of people who lead in ministry. And let's be honest, the pressures that we feel in ministry, people in the marketplace feel them also. It's not unique to us, but I, I live in that world of ministry leaders. And so I just began to see people, man, really struggling, Uh, you know, just feeling like I'm ready to throw up my hands and walk away from ministry. Wow. And, you know, Barna has been doing quite a bit of research in the last two or three years. They've been every few months kind of surveying pastors. And, you know, first it was like 29% uh, in 2021 that said, uh, in the last year, I have seriously thought about walking away from ministry. Then it went up to like 32%. And the most recent uh, study I saw in late 2022 was that, 41% of people in ministry 
have seriously thought about walking away over this last year. And for those under the age of 45, that percentage goes up to 46%. Wow. And so it's like, yeah, we're in a bit of a crisis. And, and here's the other truth. I think there's a ton of people who lead in the church. They would walk away tomorrow if they had a good financial option for how to make a living. Wow. I think there's lots of people who do ministry and they're just stuck. And so it's caused me to go back and think, Verge. And so I went back to 1 Timothy 3, where Paul says, if anybody desires to be an overseer, a, a ministry leader, they desire a noble thing. And the, the word there, it's the word kalu. It means attractively good. Wow. And I started thinking about like, yeah, what would it look like where we made being in ministry attractively good it was when some people go man i love the way that guy lives and i would love to do life in ministry like him and you know uh the respect for people in the clergy has been in a free fall in our culture huh. right yeah there's a lot of reasons for that and i i can't solve the national narrative but what i can do is I can sort of own how I live and whether or not I do ministry in a way that makes it noble. And so um, when I was thinking about this, I just thought like, okay, we have two options. Hmm. We can either sort of rewrite the text of 1 Timothy 3 and sort of just lower the bar and go, hey, it's not realistic for people in ministry to live according to the qualities listed in 1 Timothy 3, where Paul talks about it being a, a noble profession. Or we can kind of up our game and level up our own leadership and go, you know what? We've kind of lost our way in some areas. And so we need to like, no, it's still like those qualifications of First Timothy 3, those are permission to play. Mm. Those are, that's what gets you on the field. Now, none of us do them perfectly. But if these things are not true in your life, Paul would say, you, you don't really qualify to be a, leader in ministry and and in ministry ours is a character profession like what gives credibility to the message is the life of the messenger and right. we can't separate those two out and so um i think the the calling has to say the same the bar has to stay high for people in ministry yeah you know as you're saying that um i think every single one of us can think immediately of unfortunate circumstances where a pastor in their city, in their state, in the region, even on a national global level, has really had a, a big fall, uh, yeah. whether it's moral failure or things coming to light that that are just ah, not of good, good repute. You know, I would imagine, um, I would imagine, Lance, for you, I mean, it breaks your heart. I mean, it breaks our hearts when we see those things. And, and why, why, why are we seeing that? Um, and why does it have such an impact on us? Yeah, I think it is heartbreaking. And I think it's really important, Verge, for us to examine our own hearts yeah. and to, to make sure that it actually is heartbreaking and we don't stand and throw rocks or Oof. look condescendingly or condemningly because here, here's the truth. I know my own heart. And I'm susceptible. I I am vulnerable to attack and temptation. And dude, I mean, huh. I, I've been walking with Jesus 50 years, but some days if you knew what was actually in my heart, 
<laughs> and how judgmental and how much prejudice there can be or how insecure, how much I can pot. Like there's some ugly stuff still inside mm. of me. So I really, I don't want to stand on the sidelines and throw rocks. I do right. want to see those people as man who started off in ministry with the best of noble intentions, just like me, but they, they lost their way. And so I think a couple of things that, you know, uh, we can point to one, we've just developed in ministry, unfortunately, what I would call a celebrity culture. And so Mm -hmm. we, you know, put these people in the spotlight and oftentimes, you know, people whose gifting has exceeded their character, Mm -hmm. whose platform has outpaced their inner life. And that's a dangerous place to be. And I, I always worry, honestly, I get concerned with uh, young leaders who experience such success at an early age, and they're just not in a place yet with their the depth of their soul to be able to manage and navigate all of that. And so, um, but I, I, you know, if I could look back, Virg, at a lot of the mm-hmm. leaders I've dealt with who've been in this place, I would tell you the number one thing probably is they end up in relational isolation. Yep. And, um, you know, the higher you go up in leadership, the more people will put you on a pedestal and the more yeah. well-known you become, the more people will lift you up and you're sort of this untouchable and you're larger than life. And nobody's really asking you the question, the hard questions in your life anymore. No, you're not accountable to anyone. And um, I remember, I think it was John Maxwell who years ago just made this comment. He said, every good leader knows they can't trust themselves. Yeah. And like, man, that ought to be true of us. Like, I know, like, Hey, I can't trust myself. So I would say, man, if I could take the leaders who are listening to this podcast, I would go, listen, you don't just need a couple of people that you give them permission to hold you accountable. You need a couple of people. You grab them by the collar. You look them in the eye and go, Hey, I want you to feel the responsibility to say the hard things, to ask me the hard questions, because there's too much at stake in my life as a leader for me to blow it. And so one of the questions I find myself always asking leaders is who in your life can rebuke you? Wow. I mean, that's really a good question to ponder. Like who in your life can, isn't impressed with you, isn't intimidated by you and they can look you in the eye and ask you the hard stuff or say to you like, dude, I saw how you treated your wife. That's just not right. Like who is it in your world that can say that kind of stuff to you? And you don't need a lot. And and if somebody volunteers to be that person, they're probably not the right person. <laughs> but, but you need somebody that you can grab and and have that kind of relationship where your life is an open book before them. Yeah, that's huge. How, how I guess two questions to follow that, that up. How do you, what are some qualities and characteristics in, in the person that you would, that you want to grab by the collar and say, hey, um, you know, you know, I, I need you in this role. What do we want to look for in that person? One. And then two, um, is there a rhythm that you've noticed? Is it, Hey, we meet every other month or uh, what are some, some practical handles there? Yeah. Um, I think in terms of what I'm looking for, number one for me is like, uh, I want there to be good chemistry. Like I actually like this person and I want to hang out with them and we, we connect, right? Cause there's some people who might be great godly people, but they're just like, 
I don't connect with them. We sure. don't have a kindred spirit. And, and so I think it's got to be number one, somebody that I'm just drawn to naturally. I, I like, I have respect for them. And then I think they need to have a level of maturity. Like, like when, when I pull back the curtain on their life, like they're the real deal, like they're yeah. not perfect, but man, they, they're working on their marriage. They're trying to stay in love with Jesus. They're trying, trying to grow as a leader. Like, and, and it's helpful if they can be a step or two ahead of me or a step or two further down the road. Yeah. Than, right. Um, now, can I have peer relationships? Yes, certainly. But I've found it like, it's just, if I have someone who's a little further down the road and, you know, and will give me access to their life. Like this is not a person like you see him once or, or meet with him once a year. Like, um, and on the frequency side of it, gosh, dude, I, I mean, it, it sort of depends on the person, mm -hmm. because, but I, but I would go like, there's gotta be a touch point at least a couple of times a month, I would think. Okay. Because Otherwise, how does that person really know what's going on? And the world is changing and my world is moving so fast. If I don't have someone who's in my world a couple of times a month, it'd be really easy for them to get disconnected. And um, the other thing I always like to say is I want that person to have access to anybody in my life. So I want them to feel free. Like if they want to check up and go, hey, Connie, how's Lance doing really? Yeah. What's his pace really like? That's Are, good. You know, because often, you know, our spouses, especially they, they, they are not impressed with us. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and my wife, especially dude, like we say in our family, like Connie's never had a private thought in her life. Like she, <laughs> she's just out there. And if she thinks it, she says it. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's sometimes painful, but it's good for my accountability. So. Yeah, this, so, yeah. This, is, this is good. You just gave some really good handles for some of us to say, hey, here's some, some things to look for uh, in, in that person or in those people that we want to ask yeah. to hold us accountable. And then also, I like that you mentioned touch point, you know, on a monthly basis, you know, and even a couple of times so that there's, man, they're really there and access to me and access to anybody in my life. That's huge. That's gold. That's worth yeah. this whole podcast right here. Um, good. Uh, okay, so. So we're talking, you know, making ministry noble again. We're, we're talking about, man, we want to avoid those those pitfalls that unfortunately some leaders fall into. Um, something that you teach about a lot is self-leadership, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it's and it's easy to think, okay, I'm a leader because I'm leading other people. Uh, but but we gotta check this, we gotta check this other box first, right? We gotta, we gotta, we gotta yeah. lead ourselves. Talk to us about self-leadership. You don't want to miss this month at Avail, or any month for that matter. Why? Because each month, the Avail Online Leadership Series happens. A live call with leaders from around the world who have a passion for God and key leadership insights to impart to you. Interact with authors, pastors, and influencers from every industry. And the best part? It's free. To get registered right now, head over to theartofleadership.com. What are you waiting for? Yeah, I, all good leadership starts with self-leadership. And I feel like one of the places where in seasons where I was not doing well, I tended to play the victim card. Huh. And um, and so there's this story I tell, Verge, about my Saddleback years when 
things were out of control. My, the pace of my life was out of control. And Connie was a good sport up to a point. And then we'd have one of those come to Jesus meetings, you know, and by the way, she was Jesus in that conversation. Uh, and, you know, we'd have the same conversation where she would say, man, you're never home. All you do is work all the time. The kids don't see you. Even when you're home, you're not really home. Yeah. And I would, you know, sort of pull out my metaphorical victim card. And I would always say this like, babe, it's just for a season. Or this is just how it is in ministry. And I think one of the best days that where my life began to turn a corner is when I began to own that I was who I was because of decisions I was making. Hmm. And, you know, Henry Cloud has this great statement that I use a lot where he says, you are ridiculously in charge of your life. (laughs) <laughs> and and I think for leaders to just have that moment to go, hey, yeah, I may work in an environment or maybe I'm under a leader that isn't all that healthy, but and I don't control everything. But what I control, I'm responsible for the health of my own soul, even if that means I have to walk away from my current position. Wow. Like I don't have to be here like I. But I am responsible for the health of my own soul. I, I mean, I think about this verse. We preach this all the time, like Second Peter 1. Everything I need for life and godliness, God has already given me. Mm. I have the resources I need, but I'm not passive. Like, I have to step up and go, no, I have to lead myself. And this, it, it, all the listeners will get this. This Remember the story of the prodigal son and how he... Mm takes his inheritance early and he goes away to a far country and he squanders him everything he's you know gotten in in wild living the bible says then a famine hits the land mm-hmm. he ends up working in the pig pen not only is he working there but even what the pigs are eating like starts to look pretty good and then there is this one moment verge of like mm-hmm. what i go it's like one of the epic moments of self leadership in the entire bible And here's the phrase that's used in the King James translation. It says, he came to himself. Mm. Like he had this moment of lucid clarity Mm. to go, I don't have to be here. And my mistakes of the past don't have to define my future. But what I do have to do is I have to own leading my own life. It's my life. It's the one life God has given me. Now he's given me his spirit, his word other believers, but, and other people can support me, encourage me, mentor me, bless me. I have to lead me. Hmm. And so I, I just think like, boy, for some people, really, this is all they need. If they could just put a stake in the ground right now today and go, I'm responsible to lead me and I'm going to grow and get better. And I'm not going to do it perfect. But I got to step up and I got to stop being a victim. And man, in our culture, it is so easy for everybody to play the victim card, right? Like, totally. I'm not to blame. It's how I was raised. It was, you know, my boss, the church, the elders, whoever. And I go, no, none of us get a free pass. We are responsible for leading the health of our own lives and souls. And when I, when I take responsibility for that, then I think I'm moving forward. And so this, probably one of my signature life passages is in Deuteronomy 30, where the Lord says to Israel, 
Um, if you'll return to me, I want to give you an amazing, rich, abundant life. He said, I'll bless you. I'll give you bumper crops. I'll give you children. I'll protect you from your enemies. And so he paints this picture of this amazing life. Then verse 11 of Deuteronomy, he says this. Now what I'm commanding you today, it's available to you. It's not beyond your reach. Like what I'm like, it's in fact, he says it's near you. It's in your mouth and your heart so that you may obey it. Like God says, I hand, I'm handing you this access to an abundant life and it is available to you. And man, I think that to me is a good self-leadership passage. That's That's beautiful. Um, you know, you said something really caught my attention um, and I think might catch some people's attention as well. Sometimes self-leadership not only means no, but means I have to let go of something sometimes. And, um, you know, I think, I think uh, there are very few who would say, oh, I got plenty of time, you know, time to spare. I don't got much to do who are in leadership roles because the nature of pastoring, for example, the nature of, you know, leadership ministry and marketplace is so demanding. Um, you know, how do we, how do we wrestle? Cause there's always a tension between, I want to get things done because there's fulfillment in getting things done, but. But then, but I want to be healthy and I don't, and I want to care for my loved one. You know, how do you wrestle with that tension? Well, I think first off, just to recognize there is time for you to do all that you're called to do. And sometimes we tend to overfunction and take on things that either aren't really our responsibility or things wow. that other people can and should do. But I want to be the guy. I want to be the go-to person. And so I wow. overfunction and take on things that I that I really shouldn't. And, and I think that causes, you know, all kinds of problems in our life when we do that. Sometimes it's, it's driven by, you know, insecurity. And, and so I think one, you've got to get really clear about obviously God's purposes, but then your unique calling and unique wiring. Like you're not called to do everything. What is it that you're uniquely called to do? And then you've got to slow down and create space so that you can say yes to the right things and no to the things that really aren't the must-dos of your life. And you need to distinguish between the the can-dos and the must-dos of your life. And when you can do that, I think now you can begin to say no. And so I, there's this guy, Hans Hoffman, has this great quote about simplicity. And he says, it's, simplicity is removing the unnecessary so that the necessary can speak. Hmm. It's getting rid of the clutter and saying no to the things that are not really my calling. And, and here's what I've noticed, Virgil. I think this is a good warning for everybody who's listening. That when you begin to lead yourself and take control of your life, and you're not a, and you stop being a people pleaser and doing everything everybody asks you to do not everybody's going to like it <laughs> when you've been always the yes guy and he's always available and when you start saying you know what i really can't do that or that's really not what i'm called to do or thank you but the answer is no not everybody's going to stand up and applaud you sure. because they they like the always available you and so but this is where you have to do the hard internal work of it's not their life. It's your life. Yeah. It's your calling. And you've got to be obedient and differentiate yourself from like, hey, I love you and I want to be a, a part of something that matters. But what you think of me is not going to determine my course of action. And so, gosh, there's a whole, you know, that's a huge iceberg right there that we just talked about. Right. <laughs> uh, but but hopefully one that can be helpful. Yeah, that's huge. I think it has to do a lot there with 
with confidence in who God, God has called us to be. And then also yeah. identity, who, who I truly, yeah. who I truly am and self-awareness to know I can't be everything to everyone. Um, this is good. I want to, I want to kind of finish off the rest of our time uh, touching on, you mentioned to me that something has been on your heart lately is the whole concept of technology in your soul and that the connection yeah. there of how technology can, can affect us. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about, replenish and the life plan training and certification that's coming okay. up later okay. in 2023. Um, but let's start off with the technology and your soul. This is an interesting concept. Technology can truly affect us. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, I, so this is an area of passion for me. And I recently read a book that I was so captivated by birds that I actually went to my kids and my wife and I go, Hey, if you will buy the book and read it and we can have a family discussion about it, I will pay each of you 50 bucks. Come on. And so I've had several people I've told that story to have offered to become one of my kids if I would pay them to read books. <laughs> but they all did. And we had a great family conversation about it. The name of the book is called Stolen Focus. It's written by a guy by the name of Johan Hari, H-A-R-I. Um, and it's definitely worth the read. But, um, you know, and there's also the book Digital Minimalism, which I would highly recommend. Um, there's another book that is more background related, but I would highly recommend called Amusing Ourselves to Death by huh. Neil Postman. It's a fantastic read. But one of the things is I'm trying to help people like pay attention to their soul, slow down. One of the things that keeps our attention divided and distracted is our technology, right? So if you think about having a healthy soul means being able to be at rest, being able to focus, pray, meditate, be silent, practice Sabbath, the number one enemy probably for most of us in that is our technology and our smartphone. Wow. Like we, we, we can't sit alone. We can't go, you know, I, when I have 30 seconds of dead time, what do I do? I just reach for my phone, right? I begin to scroll or I check text yep. messages or emails, right? And so um, there's a great saying by a French woman. Her name was Simone Vey, and she died at the age of 33, but she had a profound impact on the culture at that time because of her commitment to prayer. But one of her famous sayings, they actually put it on a postage stamp, and it says this, attention is the only faculty of the soul that gives you access to God. Wow. Attention is the only faculty of the soul that gives you access to God. So that if you're going to have a deep connection to God, you have to learn how to pay attention. And what is it that keeps you from paying attention in your life? It is your technology. And in fact, of course, there's this whole thing now in the world of technology that's called the attention economy, that you are not the customer of what we used to know as Facebook. You are the product. Wow. You, you're not the customer. It's the thousand advertisers. And like the guy says, he says, you can try to fight off the temptation and try to discipline yourself. But on the other side of your screen is a thousand engineers who their full-time job is to figure out how to get you to give two more seconds to your phone. And, you know, so again, there's so much data wow. around this now. And now we know neuroscientists have this saying that neurons that fire together, wire together. 
And so as you constantly stimulate your brain and the neurons in your brain around technology, you are literally physically, chemically, biologically rewiring your brain to expect constant stimulation. That's why the average person checks their phone like 216 times a day. Wow. So do you think that has implications for your ability to read the Bible? To actually pray undistracted for five minutes? To sit in silence? I mean, the implications on the health of your soul with your technology are huge. And so, and again, I I would go, hey, this is a long battle. Mm. Our technology is not going to go away. But I think you and your family should have a discussion around what are two or three steps we can take to better manage the technology in our lives. So again, I have a ton more to say, but I'll have to come back for part three for that. <laughs> I love it. I think this is very, very relevant though, what you're, what you're bringing to our attention. Um, and I really appreciate that. It gets, it could at least get some conversations going, some, yeah. some thoughts forming and uh, maybe we'll have to do a part three in the future for real. Awesome. Um, I, I want to finish off our time. Just, just talking a little bit about at replenish. You have a lot of things that a lot of resources um, on your website, replenish.net. Yeah. Uh, but there's something special coming up. I think it's the first of its kind. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about what's coming. Yeah. So like 20 years ago, when I went to Saddleback, they paid for me to go and spend two days with this guy named Tom Patterson. And I got my own life plan done by Tom. He had kind of uh, invented the process, if you will. Well, then I got trained about 15 years ago. And since that time, I've been doing life plans for leaders. But I've also learned a lot, especially in this area of soul care and how to do a life plan in a way that is more God-centered and has a soul care kind of focus on it. And Mm -hmm. so I am ready uh, at this point to kind of unveil sort of the first replenish life plan training where I'm going to begin to train other people how to do life plans. And so I've kind of got my own process that I've been working on and uh, so we're going to limit it to 20 people. This first uh, one, it'll be here in Colorado, September 26 and 27. And uh, you'll be able to go to replenish.net on the homepage. There'll be uh, information there that you can check out and find out information if you're interested in either one, just getting a life plan or two, you would love to go, man, I could see myself sitting down and facilitating this in the lives of other people. Um, there'll be some information there about how you can access that. That's great. So you heard it, everybody. This is the first official Replenish Life Plan training and certification. It's going to happen in Colorado, September 26th and 27th. For all the information, you can go to replenish.net. I'm assuming, Lance, that if this if all goes well, there may be more of these in the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've already got around two scheduled in April of 2024. Because I've, you know, there's already been, there's been this pent up interest from people in ministry to get trained. And so uh, I feel like, you know, we're going to have to uh, close off registration pretty early and just plan for the next one. So yeah, there's already a round two uh, in, in play. Love it. Uh, hey, everybody here at Avail, our heart is to put resources in your hand to connect you with leaders who can help you, encourage you, equip you, and resource you. And Lance Witt is one of those leaders. Check out replenish.net for more on Lance, including his books. We've talked about Your One Life. Uh, High Impact Teams is a great book for pastors and leaders. Uh, and of course, Replenish. Um, I, I, 
As we close off, I want to mention real quick to our audience uh, about the Avail Journal. Avail Journal, this, this is our quarterly leadership magazine. If you're not getting it, the first year is on us. We'll give you for free an annual subscription to the Avail Journal. Just go to availjournal.com. As you can see, if you're watching the video, this is full color. This is quality. It's, it's so good, you don't want to throw it away. That's the Avail Journal. Uh, Lance, having leadership resources help you on your journey, right? Oh man, absolutely. Every, every leader is a learner. And so you got to keep growing, man. Yeah. What do you want to leave on, on everybody's hearts today after this talk here? Um, you know, I, I think I want to take us back Verge, to just this whole idea of it all starts with how you live and how you live depends on winning the battle of the daily right? Mm. Every day matters. And I think sometimes in our culture, we just want to, you know, we want to have epic influence. We want to have, you know, a million followers and all of that. And I go, hey, instead of worrying about being so great or epic or world changing or whatever, how about if you just win the battle of today? Make good. I, I love that. I have this quote I use a lot that always make choices that your future self will thank you for. So wow. make choices today that your future self will thank you for. I always think about uh, Paul says, make it your ambition. Listen to this to live a quiet life, <laughs> like to work with your hands, to win the battle of every day. And I just think if we could just like crush Tuesday, come on. You know, that's the place we start. That's where good self-leadership, we want to make ministry noble again. It starts with win the battle of the daily. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Lance, on behalf of Dr. Sam Chand, Martin Van Tilborg, our Avail team, we thank you, brother, and we honor you for your leadership, uh, for your investment in, in the kingdom, and for uh, helping so many pastors and leaders uh, with what you do day in, day out. We appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. I always appreciate you and love getting to do this with you. It really is an honor and I'm blessed. Thank you. <laughs> what an honor. Hey, Avail audience, we love you. We're thankful for you. Uh, my name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, Iglesia Vertical in South Florida. We are one church, two languages, and I'm your host for these weekly leadership podcasts that come out on Avail, where we want to help you dig deep in the art of leadership uh, this has been a great conversation. Part two with Lance Witt. I hope you've uh, leaned into all the resources. Remember, go to replenish.net. As for me, I'll see you next time or I'll hear you next time right here on the Avail podcast. We'll catch you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail podcast with our guest, Lance Witt. You can find out more about Lance by going to replenish.net. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail podcast host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail podcast. <laughs>